Hello and welcome to Chatting, a podcast where people chat about how they learn and use English. My name is Sam, I'm a CELTA teacher and a performer and I have a particular interest in pronunciation and expression. In each episode, non-native and native speakers will chat about their experiences with English, share their advice and, at the end, I'll give some pronunciation tips for you to take away and practice. So, ready? Let's get chatting. This episode, I'm chatting with Suzanne. Suzanne is originally from the UK and currently lives in Spain. And for those of you who follow excellent English language accounts on Twitter, Suzanne runs at English Smarts as well as at Dazzle English and at 150 Phrasal Verbs. So when we met online, as we're in different countries, I was very keen to hear the voice behind these accounts. We chatted about using Twitter for learning languages, Suzanne's first language lessons, using phonetic symbols to help your English pronunciation and making sure you stress the right syllable. But I started by asking Suzanne to tell me a little bit about herself. So my name is Suzanne and I am originally from London, but I have been living in Barcelona for well over 20 years. Wow. Despite the fact I thought I was coming for about a year, (laughs) I'm still here. So I teach English on social media, particularly um, Twitter. Mm -hmm. which is a super platform for uh, learning languages, not just English. It's a great place for connecting with other language learners. It really, really is. And it's growing and growing like that. There's a community called, um, if you look for the hashtag, LangTwitter, L-A-N-G-T-W-T. That's a great way of uh, connecting with people, learning all kinds of languages. And I mean, all kinds of languages. Wonderful. I also have a website called recipesforenglish.com where I um, post lots of vocabulary and grammar quizzes. And you yourself are also a keen language learner. I am indeed. (laughs) Yeah it's a big hobby of mine yeah. My first language lesson was when I was about eight years old and it was in Cyprus in a taverna that we used to go to with my parents and my family. And, uh, and I remember the, the owner uh, one day writing out um, a couple of the very typical expressions like uh, calimera, calispera, calinicta. Those are three I remember, which is um, like good day or good morning, good evening, good night. So that was the first thing. And then forward a couple of years to starting with French at school. Mm-hmm. And I remember my first, um, the first class, um, I was 11. And... Um, most of the girls had already done a year okay so the first lesson of the the autumn term was the teacher went round and she pointed to every student and everyone said je m'appelle um sarah je m'appelle and it just didn't go in i didn't know what 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 was going on it didn't even click that they were giving their names or or i couldn't understand that je m'appelle yeah and it was pretty awful but that was just the first class and then from there on, it was absolutely fine and, and exciting and I loved it. And I've never fallen out of love with French. I think it's the most beautiful language. Mm. I think, yeah, I'd love it if we all spoke French. 
And then the next one was German. And I enjoyed that. That's very different from French. And it wasn't easy. And that's what I like to say, that I have never found languages particularly easy. I found certain aspects of them easy, learning vocabulary. And I've always been very motivated by them, which helps a great deal. But mm-hmm. I've always struggled with grammar, particularly. Uh-huh. So if you yeah, to those who are listening, <laughs> just because we teach yeah, English doesn't mean we are... Um, experts at, at, at grammar so French German Spanish Greek yes during the pandemic I decided that I want to go back to Cyprus and I thought it would be very cool that when I finally do return to Cyprus that I can actually speak um, at least con- some conversational stuff I would be very proud of myself if I could do that little did I know that Greek's actually quite a tricky language <laughs> and it's not just the alphabet um, so do you then feel with Greek that you're like an absolute beginner? I, I'm still feeling like that two years in. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I am. I've been quite surprised by it. I thought, I mean, it always helps. The more languages you learn, the more you learn about language, and that does help you. I, I do think the struggle with the alphabet is really holding me back, and I've really got to knuckle down and really get that sorted. Why? Because for me, the, the best way to move forward quickly with vocabulary is to read like, like there's no tomorrow. Okay. You have such a really interesting insight as an English teacher who's also a language learner. Do you think that helps you when you're teaching that you can really hear when people have difficulties with English pronunciation and the ways in which you can try and help them out? I think... I. In the, the way that I help is that I can sympathise mm. how difficult it can be to produce a sound that your mouth is not used to pronouncing. Mm. Uh, one tip that I've, I have found um, that helps is phonetic symbols. I, I just have this theory, for example, when, when Spanish people have, um, Spanish students have a, um, a struggle with a particular word, maybe something like, um, let's see, literature. I tell them, instead of looking at the word written out in English literature, well, first of all, they've got to learn the phonetic symbols, but it really doesn't take that long. And to see it written in the, the, the phonetic symbols and pronounce it looking at that, okay? Mm. Why? Because just I have this theory that, yeah, that your brain is so um, trained to see letters and, and to think that they're pronounced in a certain way. For example, the word um, soap. Okay, a Spanish person in their mind is probably thinking so is so up, so up, because an O and an A would be O R. And that can be a really hard habit to break. So if I found that if, if it's written in the the phonetic symbols, seeing it there, following that, and then the brain's not looking at the S-O-A-P, problem's gone. Mm. So I think the brain, yeah, your brain can be um a great tool, but also <laughs> a great hindrance to to learning. Because you've got to reprogram your your brain, you've got to rewire it. I mean, have you used these techniques yourself when you've been learning Greek and Spanish and German? I think you said you've also learned Japanese. Yeah, we had. <laughs> I'm very greedy. Yeah, I can't help myself. <laughs> At university, we had the um, option of studying Japanese in our last year, so I just did it for a year. Wow. And we had a really good um, teacher, lovely, lovely teacher, and actually, it was my best grade for all of my. 
but it was just one year of Japanese. It didn't get too complicated. But the pronunciation is a lot is a lot easier.、Huh. Yeah, and I think it's it's phonetic. It's yeah. Whoever's listening to this may be sending me to say you're wrong there. And if I'm wrong, please, I would no. I'd like to know. But I've got I've got a feeling that、um, once you know what a symbol, the sound a symbol represents, it's always the same. Okay. I think I might be right about that. So, so pronunciation is not difficult. But, but I'm not I'm not a big pronunciation expert. I I managed to get a more or less decent French accent, I think. My Spanish accent, not so much though.、Uh-huh. I really, and I've kind of, <laughs> I've kind of given up trying to not sound British, and I just hope that people are charmed <laughs> by it. The only time I really will have to make an effort is when someone obviously can't understand what I'm saying、right. because I mispronounced something. So I have a little anecdote about that. About I don't know how many years ago when I hadn't been here too long. And、um, I was at the supermarket, and、um, very often at the supermarket, alcohol is is in a locked cabinet, glass cabinet. So、mm-hmm. you would go to the till and ask for a particular bottle that you want. And so、um, that day, I <laughs> wanted a bottle of、um, Bacardi rum, Bacardi, and it's Bacardi. It's like three syllables, and I、mm-hmm. said it, and I repeated it. She just did not understand, and I I thought. What am I doing wrong? And then I thought, hang on a second. It's not. It's, it's not Bacardi. It's Bacardi. Bacardi.、Oh, you have to、okay. put stress on the last. And just by changing the, the stress to a different syllable, to the right syllable,、yeah. her eyes lit up, and off she and off she went. She knew what I meant. Oh, that's funny. You no, know, for for a word that you know that I had the letters right. Yeah. You know, and my accent wasn't really awful, but I was stre- but I was stressing the wrong syllable. But it's just an example of the fact that you know it does pronunciation to a certain extent does matter. Don't get obsessed about that. You have to have a native accent. Don't don't do it because、mm. it's just、um, you'll be expending a huge amount of energy. And I think there'd be much, people would be better suited to to working on their vocabulary. Which leads me to another point. To get to a really good level of English, the thing that I hear among people, even with a high level, is not using vocabulary correctly, not understanding the nuances、uh-huh. and idioms. And I adore idioms. I can't get I can't get enough of them. And I and I know lots of learners love them too. And I think that is wonderful.、Yeah. I, I think that is wonderful. But I do think it can be incredibly tricky to、mm. understand the, the the nuances. I think. People's time is better suited to getting plenty of expo- exposure and reading an awful lot, so that you get all this vocabulary in different contexts.、Mm-hmm. For example, you can have an idiom that will have an ex- an exact translation, but、um, there is a slight difference in meaning、mm. between, between the two,、mm-hmm. and that you won't pick up on that unless there really is no way around it. But you have, you need to get. Hundreds, thousands of hours of exposure, and and so that's why it's so important to find a way to love that language that you're studying. So it's a lot easier. But I I I see that a lot. People that I know are really good at English, but they will still stumble over. And I, same here. I mean, my I have advanced Spanish, but for sure I'm not using the the right word, right expression.、Yeah. You know. On your Twitter accounts, the more advanced students and making sure they understand the nuances—is this your aim, or is it a mixture of everything? I never really had a,、um, a strategy. 
but I would find but I just started off quite early I mean I've been on this for about eight years or so uh-huh. and I would put out some simple quizzes and pe- people really enjoyed them I had um because sometimes I, sometimes I announce that I'm about to in about half an hour I'm going to post post a, a quiz and I'd have people you know saying look I'm going for my run now can you just post that <laughs> postpone it a bit a bit longer because I would announce who who aren't who answered the who answered the question first sure and second or whatever so there was a bit of a competitive element anyway so I didn't have a strategy particularly to go for a certain level or anything but I kept coming back to the fact that people would be telling me that it was too easy so then I I pushed it up um because I also I get a buzz out of like stumping them you know yeah. giving them something that's, that's uh, you know they're going to find hard that they have to work work for then there's that the, uh, people haven't been studying so long and it's and it's too hard for them so I try and do um, a bit of a mix it's just Twitter's been an experiment for me it was it's kind of started out like that and it's and it's just kept going and uh, but I love yeah mostly it's quizzes it's quizzes because yeah. I feel that's um it's a way I like to learn and it, it appears that people love that love that too so absolutely and it's a really lovely way to be interactive with the person Mm. posting the quizzes as well exactly yes super interactive yeah I mean I've made a lot of friends twitter friends over the over the years yeah that's nice it's very nice yeah Yeah. oh well well, I'm just going to finish then by asking you apart from reading a lot I suppose that's maybe that your main takeaway are there any other tips that you would give out to language learners Yes. Um, again, go back to Twitter. Use use Twitter as a re- as a resource, not just for learning, but for finding language partners, or for just um, practicing your English or French or or or, or whatever. Um, because I find that um, the fact it is such a short format, you can't write too much. It's you know you could just write one sentence, and that's enough. That's enough. And uh, and if you um, you know, fairly shy, and you don't want people to to look at you know your mistakes or whatever. Once you've done it, after a couple of weeks, just remove, just delete it. I'd also recommend it for uh, teachers to get visibility on there. But that wasn't your question. That, but yeah, I think Twitter, point, yeah. Twitter is a great place to get visibility if you like looking for more students or you have courses or whatever. Oh, and this I think um, is a good good tip um, which I apply. Students have an obsession with the fact that they have to practice English with native speakers all the time. No, no, it's <laughs> oh, but what if I learn learn their their mistakes and what what have you? On on balance, you will do way better just getting that extra practice. My German got immensely improved with me hanging around with my Turkish friend, and we knew that we would make mistakes, but we were chatting all the time, and because we're chatting all the time, we quickly knew you know what what vocabulary was um we were still missing yeah. and and it was just all this practice and I thought, yeah of course we weren't speaking perfectly but my um fluency improved dramatically because our shared our shared language was was german yeah and did did, did, did i end up speaking german with a turkish accent no no i didn't um but it's just it's one of my big it's a big frustration i've heard it so many times you can practice english with someone who's French, you know, the same level as you. The important thing is, is just to be speaking. You you won't learn to speak until you speak. I mean, it sounds real, such common sense, but mm. people are so scared to speak. If you are scared to speak, we'll start writing. 
write 10 sentences a day notice what um, vocabulary you still are, are lacking mm. you know and um, especially if you can these sentences you're writing you can um, make them relevant to your your daily life the vocabulary that you'll need then mm. all the better all the better but please don't use it as an excuse I, I do sense that sometimes it's used as an excuse I think that is so right isn't it I was over the moon speaking to Suzanne and, as she rightly says, it's not important to find a native English speaker to practice with. Speaking is so important, so get that extra practice in wherever and whenever you can. You can find Suzanne on Twitter or via her website at www.recipesforenglish.com. So, this episode's pronunciation tip is about words that are from the same family or words that look exactly the same but the stress is on a different syllable or beat like in music because they have different meanings. As Suzanne explained in her great example when saying Bacardi in Spanish instead of Bacardi as we say in English, other rums are available. Finding the right beat to stress can really help you be clear when you speak. The right stress can also ensure you have the right meaning. Do you want desert or dessert? Hmm. So, I have three sentences with examples of similar or the same English words that need the right stress for the right meaning. First, words from the same family. The verb to analyse, ba-ba-ba, and the noun analysis, ba-ba-ba-ba meaning the close examination of something. Try this sentence. We need to analyse the analysis. Next, two words that look the same. The verb to perfect, baba, and the adjective perfect, baba, meaning to be 100%. Try this sentence. I can't perfect this perfect work. Finally, two more words that look the same. The adjective content, baba, meaning to be pleased or happy, and the noun content, baba, meaning what's inside, so a table of contents shows you what is in a book or a thesis. Try this sentence. I'm content with the content of this thesis. This, I'm afraid, is a case of learning by doing, by reading, by listening, by writing and by speaking. There is no one rule, but the more you do, the more you will remember the differences. And the difference between desert and dessert? It's not only the extra S in dessert. I also think of it as the difference between sand and chocolate. So be careful when you're ordering in a restaurant. Anyway... Over to you to practice. So there we are. The transcript of this episode is available to read on the podcast's webpage, so take a look. Join me next time for more pronunciation and grammar tips, more advice, and most importantly, more chatting. My thanks again to Suzanne and for her music. A huge thanks to the wonderful Mara Carlyle. Bye for now.